welcome to This Week in Video Games episode 119. My name is Tom Kershaw and this is a podcast all about the world of video games. Well, this week we've had big Nintendo news with the latest Nintendo Direct, including a new Zelda trailer. We've got Pikmin 4 news, plus loads of demos and also Metroid Prime. Today I'm going to round up all the biggest news from Nintendo, including Kirby's Return to Dreamland, Octopath Traveler 2 and also more. Also going to be bringing my thoughts on a space for the Unbound, plus rounding up some of the best demos from Steam's Next Festa 2023. And welcome to the show everyone, I hope you're well and you're having a good week. Yeah, I'm good this week and we've had a huge week of news related to Nintendo, including that big Nintendo Direct, and today I'm going to be rounding up all the latest news, plus diving a little bit deeper into the latest Zelda Tears of the Kingdom trailer. For Nintendo fans, it has been very exciting this week, although for fans of certain live service games, well, it's been a tough week with many shutting down, including Rumbleverse Knockout City and Apex Legends Mobile. So later, I'm going to have a look and see if Destiny 2 fans need to be worried about this, given that one is a huge live service game. Also, Steam has been running their latest Next Fest this week, meaning hundreds of demos have been made available with some great games. I want to give you my impressions on a handful of the best demos that I've played, and hopefully it's going to give you some great ideas for the future. Well, before we get into it, it'd be great if you could leave a review over there on Apple Podcasts. really helps get the podcast, get some more eyes on it. I do have a link in the description or the show notes. If you like the show and you want to leave a review, I would really, really appreciate it. Plus, I'll read out the review on a future episode of the podcast. Okay, that is it for my waffly intro today, so let's get into what I've been playing this week. Well, first of all, this week I've been playing a few games off the back of that Nintendo Direct, so Kirby's Return to Dreamland Deluxe. That is a remake of a Wii game, so we're not long since the last Kirby game, but you know, this is going back to Kirby's 2D roots, and it is loads of fun. Plus, you can pick up that free demo now on Nintendo's eShop. Another demo you can play is Octopath Traveler 2, I'm going to bring in my thoughts of both of those games later on in the show. Finally, I've been playing A Space for the Unbound, a cosy little indie game set in Indonesia. And this one is definitely a game you want to check out, so I'm going to bring in my review later on in the show. Well, first of all, let's check out all the latest news in that Nintendo Direct. Nintendo are back this past week with their latest Nintendo Direct, and historically, February Nintendo Directs, well, they are big. In previous years, we've seen announcements of Xenoblade Chronicles 3 and Splatoon 3, and Nintendo set expectations before, saying they'd be detailing games mostly coming in the first half of the year. So, Zelda Tears of the Kingdom was due in May, and the internet started stirring, and expectations were high. Today, let's dive into all those major announcements, so let's get to it. Well, first of all, Pikmin 4. So Nintendo kicked off the show with an in-depth look at Pikmin 4, revealing a new dog-like character named Atachi. You can help out with enemies and also carry the player and the Pikmin across water. We also had the announcement that Ice Pikmin are going to be included in the game for the first time. And Pikmin 4 is going to be released on the 21st of July, 2023. Well, next up, we've got Metroid Prime Remaster. So this one has been a long time in the making. Nintendo announced and released this on the same day, which is absolutely fantastic. You know, this is following in the footsteps of Xbox shadow dropping Hi-Fi Rush earlier this year, so expectations have been set high for surprise games early in 2023. Apparently, Nintendo have been sitting on this one for a little while, and are simply waiting for the right time to reveal this. Unfortunately, for Giant Bomb's Jeff Grubb and his hair specifically, this is a couple of months late, as he said it would release before the end of 2022, and unfortunately, he did have a bet on that with his hair, and he had to shave his head. Well, Metroid Prime Remaster is a remaster of the GameCube game, and a much-celebrated Metroid game at that. So we got a physical copy of the game releasing on the 22nd of February 2023, but we didn't have any mention of Metroid Prime 4, so it appears that that one isn't any closer. So previously, we had thought the release of Metroid Prime Remaster might start the ramp-up to the marketing of Metroid Prime 4, a game that got scrapped and then restarted back in 2018, or in 2019. 
Next up, really big announcement of Game Boy and Game Boy Advance games coming to Nintendo Switch Online. So a small collection of games have been made available just after the Nintendo Direct. So as well as shadow dropping Metroid Prime, well, they've also shadow dropped loads of Game Boy games and Game Boy Advance games. So the Game Boy games that are available at launch are Tetris, Super Mario Land 2, Six Golden Coins, The Legend of Zelda, Link's Awakening DX, Gargoyle's Quest, Game & Watch Gallery 3, Alone in the Dark, The New Nightmare, and Metroid 2 The Return of Samus. We've got Wario Land 3 and Kirby's Dream Land. Kirby's Dream Land is one of my favourite Game Boy games of all time, and I've still got that cart and an old Game Boy somewhere. You know, Game Boy games also have the option of a filter to make it look like a Game Boy, Game Boy Color, or Game Boy Pocket to increase that nostalgia factor. Well, the Game Boy Advance games that are going to be available at launch are The Legend of Zelda, The Minish Cap, Super Mario Advance 4, Super Mario Bros. 3, you've got WarioWare Inc., Mega Micro Games, Kuru 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 Kurin, Mario Kart Super Circuit and Mario and Luigi's Superstar Saga. These games also support local and online play with friends. And more games are going to be added into the future with The Legend of Zelda, Oracle of Seasons and Ages, the Pokemon trading card game, Kirby, Tilt and Tumble, Metroid Fusion, that is absolutely fantastic, Kirby and the Amazing Mirror, Fire Emblem, F-Zero, Maximum Velocity and also, this one is an absolute classic, this one is Golden Sun. So this one was a real solid announcement for me, and it gives me the chance to catch up on some classic Zelda games. So I didn't have a Game Boy past the original Game Boy, and I missed out on the advance completely, so it's going to be nice to go back to the Zelda handheld games like Oracle and Minish Cap, plus also Metroid Fusion as well. Well, next up we've got The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, so Nintendo unveiled more information related to Tears of the Kingdom, Previously, we only had 90-second teaser trailers, but this one went into more detail, clocking in at about 2 minutes 20 seconds. We got more information about Ganondorf, looks like Link can build vehicles, plus we got a better look at Link's green powers. Now, the overall tone of the trailer was darker, and it was really interesting to hear Ganondorf's voice. Now, I'm going to get into much more detail with Tears of the Kingdom later, but this was really, really exciting stuff and what every Nintendo fan wanted. So as well as the game, we've got a nice collector's edition plus a new amiibo and confirmation of amiibo support that changes Link's glider design based on the previous game. So The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom is still set to be released on the 12th of May 2023. Next up, we had news about Advance Wars 1 and 2 Boot Camp and a confirmed release date. So Advance Wars was put on hold because of the war in Ukraine. It's finally time for this one to see the light of day. It's releasing on Nintendo Switch on the 21st of April, 2023. Next up, we got the Mario Kart 8 Deluxe Booster Passway 4. This one is coming in spring 2023. Included new courses, plus we're getting a new playable character for the first time in a while with Birdo. Returning characters from other Mario Kart games are also coming really, really soon. Next up, we got a few expansion pass announcements. So Splatoon 3 announced a hefty expansion pass. It's going to go back to Splatoon 1's Incopolis. The Squid Sisters are returning for special concerts when the first wave of DLC arrives this spring. Side Order is another wave coming later on. And this one looks very avant-garde, black and white and very different personally. I really, really love the look of this one. Well, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 announced their next wave of DLC, which is due for release on the 15th of February. It's going to add new heroes Masha and the Arc Sage Gauntlet. That offers roguelike battles, so Volume 4 is set to arrive later this year with a new story scenario for players. And Fire Emblem Engage as DLC coming with new characters called Krom, Robin, Samilla, and also new story DLC. Next up, we got some good demos coming out, available right after that Nintendo Direct, so Kirby's Return to Dreamland got a new trailer ahead of the release on the 24th of February, plus a demo to play, so if you want to try that one out, jump into that demo on the Nintendo eShop. Octopath Traveler 2 has got a demo as well, and then your progress carries over to the main game, and I was a really, really big fan of the original Octopath Traveler, and this one looks to add eight new stories into the game. Sea of Stars, a game that I featured on the recent This Week in Video Games podcast, also got a demo from the creators of The Messenger, and this one is an old-school RPG. And if you want to check out more of that, then dive into that demo that's free on the eShop. That one is coming, and then the full game is going to release on the 29th of August, 2023. We also had some other notable announcements, so Disney's Illusion Island looks fantastic. 
It's a co-op platformer with Mickey, Minnie, Goofy and Donald Duck. Each player has their own special abilities and looks like a whole load of fun. That one is set to release on the 28th of July 2023. Bayonetta Origins, Cereza and the Lost Demon got a gameplay trailer. And that one's a prequel to Bayonetta with a young apprentice called Cereza. That one goes into detail about Bayonetta's early days alongside a demon Cheshire. And players can use elemental powers of wood, rock, water and fire all to solve puzzles. Dead Cells Return to Castlevania is coming on the 6th of March 2023. This one is the perfect crossover and includes music and weapons from the Castlevania series. Plus you can fight bosses like Dracula alongside Simon Belmont. So if you're a fan of Castlevania, this DLC is an absolute no-brainer. Well, those are the major headlines from my point of view, but head on over to Nintendo's YouTube channel to catch up on the rest of the Direct if you want to see the full details. Well, that is it for now for the major headlines from that Nintendo Direct in February 2023. But next up, let's dive a little bit deeper into The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom and also that new trailer. Nintendo unveiled their latest trailer for The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom yesterday in their February 2023 Nintendo Direct. Well, this was the longest trailer that we got so far for Tears of the Kingdom, coming in at around 2 minutes and 18 seconds, and it was jam-packed full of details. Today, I'm going to recap the trailer, then we can go through frame by frame, looking at all the details, plus we got confirmation of the release date and a really, really good-looking collector's edition as well. well. We start out in the trailer with some rain, some thunder, some lightning camera pans out and overlooks Hyrule and we can see one of those green swirls which we definitely have seen before. So back in that first trailer in 2019 we saw one of these green swirls above Ganondorf's corpse and here we see another one on Hyrule Field. In the next shot we see some new enemies. So we've got flying enemies and they look like a cross between bats and frogs. They've got a really large wingspan. It's clearly a new enemy type in the game. It definitely makes sense that we got more flying enemy types given we're going to be spending much more time in the air this game, travelling up and down from those sky islands. Well, next up we see a wide shot of Hyrule and we can see two glowing towers. So we're quite far away from those towers. It's not really clear. And it's not really clear if they are the same Sheikah towers from Breath of the Wild or they are something different. They're lit from the ground but also glowing in the centre. We can also see in the background a glowing etching on the ground. That looks like it's been created on the surface of Hyrule. And we did get a glimpse of this before in the name reveal trailer when Link was riding on his air wing. Well, the music is dark and ominous, but we see a shot from a sky island looking down on Hyrule itself. And we cut to a shot of enemies mining. It looks like Lizalfos and Bacoblins. One of them is hammering some material stuck in a rock. It's not really clear where this is. It could be underground, given it's very dark. And to the right-hand side there, we can see some blue flames, which we have seen in the game before, and they represent spirits. Well, next up, we've got a couple of important details. So we hear an ominous voice say, Rise. Rise, my servant. Sweep over Hyrule. Eliminate this kingdom and her allies, and leave no survivors. So this is very likely to be Ganondorf. And we're going to get on to him much more later on. Also very important, when we first hear the words rise, in that shot there we can see the Hylian Bridge. And on that bridge it appears to be a three-headed dragon. So this isn't one of the mystical dragons, Dinrel, Farosh or Nadra. This dragon is a different shape. So I don't know if it lives on the bridge or if it roams around the world, but this could be an indication of world bosses much like we had Lynels in Breath of the Wild. So we have seen a three-headed dragon in the Legend of Zelda series before, and that is called Gliok. This three-headed dragon was in the original Legend of Zelda, plus also the Oracle games and the Minish Cap. In the same shot as well, we can see Malice pouring out the top of Death Mountain, which now appears like it is overflowing with Malice. Well, briefly then, we see a shot of Hateno Village. Once again, we can see a green swirl in the middle. So these could be warp points, but definitely points of interest in the game, most likely related 
to Link's new abilities. Well, next up, we can see Link looking up at a Blood Moon, and the Blood Moon cycle was very important in Breath of the Wild, where Ganon's power was very, very strong, and Princess Zelda struggled to hold him back. So we saw the demise of Calamity Ganon at the end of Breath of the Wild, but given we've got a full Blood Moon here, and it is looking even more deadly than ever, it appears as if this is signalling the return of Ganondorf. The projectiles of Malice shoot from somewhere. At first it looks like it's coming from the Blood Moon, but the angles aren't very clear. Then we see a huge explosion, followed by the ground crumbling and Hyrule Castle raising into the sky. Orbicoblins are being hit by this projectile Malice, and it appears as if they're being transformed. They also have spiked horns coming out in the middle of their heads and we can see more enemies get hit by Malice, and perhaps even a couple of new enemy types. Well, Link gallops by on his horse, and we move to a shot of Link standing in a blue circle, which has a Sheikah symbol underneath his feet, and he's surrounded by what looks to be guardian legs, mechanical, reaching arms or legs with pincers, looking to grab and cause harm to Link. We can see more Bokoblins, and also a Hinox chasing Link, and then Link running and jumping off a ledge in Hyrule in classic Link style, using his glider to full effect. We then see Link battling a huge boss It appears to be made from cubes. Link then backflips out of the way before this huge creature slams its fist into the ground. Then Ganondorf's corpse is reanimating, sitting up. Then we cut to a shot outside of Hyrule Castle, with Malice bursting from the ground, propelling Hyrule Castle into the air. Then we can see Ganondorf standing on a ring, arms raised, rising and shouting into the air, followed by a close-up of his eyes glowing red. Now I think if there was any doubt that Ganondorf would be back, we can forget about that doubt now. Not only is he back, he also seems pretty angry as well. Well, Princess Zelda then says, But Link, I'm not sure you're going to be able to stop him. And I'm assuming here that she's talking about Ganondorf. Now what exactly happens in that scene? where Link and Zelda find Ganondorf's corpse underground is unknown at this time, but we are getting more and more clues as to what is going on. Link then dives from a sky island, eyes closed and falling. He's using a bow and arrow which appears to be homing in on enemies, which may be a new arrow type that we haven't seen before. Link then grinds on some railings using his shield as a skateboard or a makeshift surfboard. Well, next up is very interesting indeed. So, Link is using his right arm and projecting green magic out of it and appears to be controlling some kind of puzzle piece. He's up here in the sky on one of these sky islands and given we haven't seen these shrines just yet, it could be the sky islands are replacing the shrines. We have to explore Hyrule and solve puzzles here in the sky. Now that isn't confirmed, just looking at what we've got here in front of us on the screen. Now, I don't think we've seen shrines, do correct me down there in the comments if I'm wrong and they were such a massive part of the original Breath of the Wild. Now, it was all about promoting that exploration, you had to explore and find them. Well, the Sky Islands would work a little bit differently, because you can easily see them in the sky, you wouldn't really have to explore to find them. We're just going to have to wait and see what happens here, but Link looks like he's solving a puzzle with his right arm, and that green magic. Well, next up we've got some new weapons, so it looks like Link is using some kind of cannonball projectile throwing device, which explodes onto some rocks. We've seen Link using a flamethrower. Now we're seeing him throwing explosives. So it's really, really good to see some new items or weapons to use in Tears of the Kingdom. We then see a mystical creature, which looks like it could be some kind of spirit. Perhaps it's Princess Zelda. You know, maybe she died and she's now a spirit. Link appears to be holding out his right hand and this new right hand with long nails is holding the hand of this mystical creature. Now, this could be a dead Princess Zelda, or it could be a manifestation of the goddess Hylia herself, reaching out to Link and lending him her power. Well, Link is looking up into the sky, looking through his fingers, clenching his fist, extending his fingers once again, looking in wonder at his right hand, so perhaps this is the moment where he gets his new abilities. We cut to Link using his new powers, raising something out of the water, and at first, I was just thinking this was a block of some kind. But actually, it turns out to be a wheel, and we see that used later on in vehicles. So this power looks very similar to the Magnesis power from the original Breath of the Wild, although this time, perhaps things don't need to be metal. Now, it appears to provide some kind of confirmation 
that Link doesn't have the Sheikah Slate, and instead he's using his right arm to create those powers which mimic the runes from the original Breath of the Wild. So Nintendo could attempt to simplify all those runes down into a couple of arm powers, but we've seen Link using the Green Magnesis replacement a couple of times in this trailer. Well, as I mentioned before, Link raising that wheel out of the ground before. Next up, we see a shot of Link driving a car or a vehicle of some kind. It appears to have four wheels, two headlights on the front, and what appears to be some kind of energy cell in the middle. So really interesting with this car, those back wheels look very, very similar to the wheel that Link raised out of the water. So it could be we have to travel around Hyrule, gather items and pieces of vehicles and put them together. So next up, we've got a couple of other vehicles. We see a hot air balloon, although we can't see who's riding it. And we also move on to another sky vehicle, this time what looks to be some kind of sky car. So Link is way up high in the sky and that car on land and the vehicle in the sky do look kind of similar. So it could be we're about to get some kind of build your own vehicle situation in a Zelda game where you roam around Hyrule finding pieces, plugging them together and creating different vehicles. You know, and that concept is absolutely kind of wild. I don't think anyone predicted that. And that looks really, really interesting. Well, finally, we see a shot of Malice bursting from Ganondorf's corpse himself. And this is what attacks Link. We see Link in anguish. Half of his shirt has been burnt off. His arm is scorched and then Link dives down and reaches out to Princess Zelda. We hear that phrase, please, lend him your power. And we end with Princess Zelda falling, Link desperately reaching out to her. You know, who is Princess Zelda speaking to when she says, lend him your power? Is that going to be Goddess Hylia or is it that being from the name revealed trailer in the tapestry? Well, it really looks like the introduction to the game is shaping up, so this isn't confirmed, but putting all the pieces together, Link and Zelda find Ganondorf's corpse, Malice then erupts from Ganondorf, causing an earthquake, killing Princess Zelda, and mortally wounding Link. Ganondorf instructs his new Malice-infused minions to destroy Hyrule, and Link is given new mystical green powers, which he can control with his right hand. Then we have to beat back the dark forces of Hyrule, and perhaps find a way to resurrect Princess Zelda from her death and repair the Master Sword. Now, previously, we've always had to save Princess Zelda, but this time, you know, can she be saved? Well, it is all very exciting stuff, to be honest, and Nintendo managed to show a lot in that trailer, but also not give away too much either. The release date has been confirmed at the 12th of May 2023, plus we've got a collector's edition to look forward to, so that's your thing, you can sign up to register your interest in that collector's edition via the Nintendo Store. So just head on over to the Nintendo website, search up Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, and you're going to find a link to register your interest in that collector's edition there. Well, that is it for now for going into detail about The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. So really, really exciting stuff, and I can't wait until the 12th of May 2023 to dive into that one. Well, that is it for now for Tears of the Kingdom, but next up, let's have a look at Kirby's Return to Dreamland. Well, Kirby's Return to Dreamland is set to hit Nintendo Switch later in the month, plus it's got a free demo available right now on Nintendo's eShop, so it's not been too long since we had one of the most successful Kirby games in history release on the Nintendo Switch, and we're going back to Dreamland with this remake of Kirby from the Wii era. Originally, this one was released in 2011, but Kirby's Return to Dreamland Deluxe is an upgraded version of the Wii Kirby Adventure. So in contrast to the last 3D outing, this one is a return to Kirby's 2D roots. The original was considered to be a fairly successful game for the time, but Kirby had a number of remakes across handheld and home consoles over the years, so this one is just another good excuse to go back into Dreamland. Well, the game is set for release on the 24th of February 2023, and the most recent Nintendo Direct was a really good reminder, you know, diving deeper into the gameplay and also the minigame mechanics. You know, Kirby games have a long history with little minigames, and Return to Dreamland Deluxe is absolutely no different. The original featured games like Ninja, Dojo, Samurai Kirby, Smash Ride and various copy ability challenges. And Return to Dreamland Deluxe includes one new minigame called Magalore's Tome Trackers, and that looks like a memory game, so all the original minigames return bigger and better than ever. 
Kirby also has a new copy ability, adding to the vast array of copy abilities we've seen from Kirby over the years. The thing that struck me playing this demo was how many copy abilities that get thrown at you in a very short space of time. So this game is all action. You know, this game as well has roughly 24 copy abilities, which keeps the gameplay feeling fresh all the way through. So we've got our standard copy abilities like Cutter, Beam and Ninja. And the Switch port also includes Mecha copy abilities. So Mecha Kirby has lasers plus a massive close range punch. And it takes Kirby's copy ability and turns it up to 11. Kirby's Return to Dreamland can be played in single player or co-op and even up to four players can play together. You know, secondary players can play as Meta Knight, King Didi, Bandana Waddle Dee or alternate versions of Kirby. So when the original was released, the game did get some feedback from fans saying the multiplayer made it a little bit too easy. But Kirby is targeted for a younger audience, given the nature of the game. You know, classic enemies like Waddle Dee, Blade Knight and Poppy Brothers, well they are back. A mixture of bosses are back too with the Wispy Woods, Mr. Dooter, and also subversions like Galactic Knight, like Galacta Knight and Waddle Tank, and also Robo DDD. Now, Kirby brings his range of powers and abilities in return to Dreamland Deluxe 2 with supers. These are enhanced skills and time-sensitive powers that Kirby can only control for a few minutes at a time. Kirby gets these super abilities by inhaling super versions of standard enemies, there's five super abilities in the game, including Ultra Sword, Monster Flame, Grand Hammer, Flare Beam, and Snowball. Overall, first impressions of Return to Dreamland Deluxe World, they are very positive. So I've got really fond memories of Kirby's Dreamland on the Game Boy, which can now be enjoyed on Nintendo Switch via the Game Boy feature in Nintendo Switch Online. Kirby's 2022 adventure was in many Game of the Year lists, and this revisit to Return to Dreamland will likely make many fans out of Kirby all over again on Nintendo Switch. Well, Kirby's Return to Dreamland Deluxe is due for release on the 24th of February 2023 on Nintendo Switch. Well, that is all for now for Kirby's Return to Dreamland Deluxe. Really, really good fun, that one. Next up, let's have a look at the all-platform charts. number 10 this week, we've got Spongebob Squarepants, the Cosmic Shake. And number 9, it's Pokemon Violet, that is holding steady at number 9. And number 8, we've got Grand Theft Auto 5, up 3 places in last week's number 11. And number 7, it's Minecraft, up 3 places in last week's number 10. At 6, it's Nintendo Switch Sports, up 2 places from last week's number 8. And number 5, it's Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, up 1 place from last week's number 6. At number 4, it's Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, up 1 place from last week's number 5. And at number 3, it's Dead Space, that is down 2 places from last week's number 1. Number 2, it's God of War Ragnarok, up 1 place from last week's number 3. And back in at number 1, it's FIFA 23, and that is up 1 place from last week's number 2. Well, that is it for now for the all-platform charts, but next up, let's check out my first impressions of Octopath Traveler 2. Well, Octopath Traveler 2 is the follow-up to Square Enix's very successful Octopath Traveler from 2018. Now, this time, it tells the story of eight new characters. Today, I'm going to check out all the new cast and the stories that we can expect from the upcoming sequel due for release on the 23rd of February, 2023. Well, Octopath Traveler 2 was featured in the latest Nintendo Direct, and that was followed up with the announcement of the free demo. So Square loved to do this. Plus, your progress carries over into the main game if you want to pick that up a little bit later. The demo features all the main characters and you can play a good chunk of the game to get used to all the game mechanics, the battle system, plus the really, really fantastic storytelling. You know, Octopath Traveler 2, much like the first game, well, that is a character-driven story and it does live and die on the quality of its characters. And I've spent time with a couple of the characters and I'm really happy to report the storytelling is just as good as the first game. So we've got eight main characters each with their own individual stories, plus the bombastic turn-based combat. Okay, so let's dive into the characters and see who we're going to be dealing with and what their stories are. First of all, we've got Agnea, and Agnea is the dancer of the group with the tagline, A Journey for Stardom. So she's a young woman from a lower class than the original Octopath Traveler dancer. This time, Square has gone for more of the traditional route for the dancer class. In the original, the dancer had their hearts set on revenge, 
whereas Agnia and her story, that is all about becoming a famous dancer known throughout the land. Well, next up, we've got Casti, and Casti is the healer of the group, kind of a nurse that tends to warriors from battle, similar to Alfin from the previous game, although Casti wanders a little less. You know, healers are going to be super valuable for you and your party, so if you've got on well with Alfin or you've played healers in the past in other RPGs, then check out Casti's story. Next up, we have Hikari. So Hikari is the warrior class. You know, this time it's designed around a samurai rather than a classic western knight. Now, Ulbrich, that was the feature of the warrior in the first Octopath Traveler game. But Hikari in Japanese means light. This could be indicative of the character story arc later on in the game. Hikari also has a horse companion, which is really, really helpful for getting around. Well, next up we got Ochet. So Ochet is the hunter class of Octobar Traveller 2. Brought up on an island overseen by a lion. We start out with Ochet where I have to select an animal companion. So this one is a coming of age story where the hunter turns provider for their village, feeding the many with a hunted prey. So humans are encroaching on their island and they have threatened Ochet's people and their way of life. So this is one of the storylines that I played through in the demo and it really managed to get its talons into me early making me want to come back and find out the conclusion to the story. Next up we've got Oswald. So Oswald is our scholar class, similar to Cyrus from the original game. He's one of the older members of the party. Oswald has a revenge tale to embark upon, which is a nice difference from the usual scholar tale. You know, previously the revenge story went to the dancer Primrose, and she had one of the best narratives in the game, so I'm really, really looking forward to getting into this story. Next up we've got Trone. Trone is the thief. And his story is all about freedom. So it's similar to Therian's tale from the first game, but Trone is a bit more of a street thief rather than a high-end burglar or a professional. So Trone, well, he is a little bit more scrappy. Next up, we've got Temenos. So Temenos is the cleric and has huge ties to the church, of course. Temenos's journey is all about the truth. Similar to Cyrus's journey from the original, this one is all about uncovering corruption and discovering dark magic making Temenos's story potentially one of the best. And finally, we got Particio, and this is our merchant character. So in the first game, Teresa was our merchant, and that was a story about a young woman trying to make it on her own while trying to find an adventure. This one, on the other hand, seems a little bit more sinister, with Particio seems like he could be more of a villain. So this one is a charismatic character and could be one of the most unique stories that we've seen in Octopath history. Well, that is it for our characters in Octopath Traveler 2. It's certainly shaping up to be a really, really good game. So if you're interested in any of this and you want to check it out, then you can download the free demo on the Nintendo eShop today. Well, that is it for now for Octopath Traveler 2. Really, really good stuff. But next up, we're going to go over to an indie game. This one really, really surprised me. I got a tip from Giant Bomb. So thank you to Jan Ochoa over there for letting me know about this one. This one is a fantastic little RPG. It's set in Indonesia. This one is a space for the unbound. Well, Space for the Unbound is a beautiful indie game and it deals with the raw emotion of a small group of teenagers in 90s Indonesia. Sometimes this is hard hitting, sometimes it's funny and awkward at the same time, but a Space for the Unbound is going to draw on your heartstrings while entertaining you all at the same time. Now, the game opens up with a prologue, which is a tale of two friends helping each other out. Although, unfortunately, for one of them, it all ends in tears. So after the prologue, the game then moves into a more regular narrative adventure following Atma, a teenager at school in a rural town in Indonesia. The town itself is quite quaint. There's food carts, people wandering the street that you can chat to, and it's all pulled together in an attractive pixel art style. You know, all the regular experiences of teenage life are here. You've got dates, school... Parents, it certainly took me back to a time and place in my life which I could relate to. A Space for the Unbound paints a specific picture of Indonesia through the music, the food, the posters on the wall. So if you're connected to that culture in any way, this one is going to be really refreshing and no doubt even more powerful when it comes to the nostalgia. Well, the game paints a picture of relative normal life but managed to bind elements of the paranormal here as well, which is a huge theme of the game blending reality and mystery and blurring the lines in between. The developer, Mojikan, does a great job of setting these scenes specifically to Indonesia, 
However, it feels like something that we can all relate to, which is a really fine skill for the developers to have. Now, Space for the Unbound can feel a little bit unbalanced at times with its pacing. You go about your daily tasks, and sometimes it feels like nothing really happens, but I do recommend sticking with it because it is all building up to something, even though the signals aren't very clear. So you go to school, but the girl you're seeing wants to take off. Now, you've got to rescue a cat from going up a tree, these little tasks can feel a little bit directionless sometimes, but keep going. The payoff is definitely worth it, and then some. Yeah, one of the main mechanics in the game is called Space Dive, where Atma can dive into the minds or the hearts of people with the help of a magic book. It's kind of like the movie Inception, where you manipulate objects in their mind to essentially change their mind, and we dive into their minds and, re and rearrange a few objects or solve a simple puzzle. And presto! They've been persuaded. Now, as you progress through the game, the puzzles get more complex as you've been jumping into mines, you know, mines within mines, and different timelines and collecting items to place in mines. So there's combat sections in the game as well, with combat similar to Street Fighter, which at first does seem a little bit out of place, but it really does turn into a fun time. So we've got the space diving and the combat. There's also an element of collecting too in the game. So we're tasked with collecting bottle caps filling a storybook and working through many cat-based tasks and mini-puzzles. So a space for the Unbound is subtly funny, plus very touching at the same time, leading to an overall package that you're going to likely remember for a very, very long time. The ending is truly something to behold, something that shouldn't be spoiled, but well worth playing the whole game for, and it's something fantastical and memorable, and definitely something I will not forget. Well, the developer was Mojikin, the publisher is Toad Productions. It's available on PC, Nintendo Switch, Xbox, PS4, and PS5, and was originally released on the 19th of January, 2023. Well, that is it for now for A Space for the Unbound, but next up we're going to check out more indie games. So Steam holds their next fest a couple of times per year. They did one earlier this week, so hundreds of demos have been made available through Steam. So next up, let's round up six of the best demos that I've seen on Steam's Next Fest. Well, Steam's first Next Fest of 2023 is on. There's hundreds of demos available for upcoming indie games available to play. As well as being able to get hands-on time with many great new games, it's also a really good indicator of some of the best indie titles to release in 2023. Well, today I'm going to dive into six of the best demos I played. Okay, first of all, we've got Bleak Sword DX. So this one is from Devolver Digital, and it's very minimalist. It's a retro dark fantasy game coming to Nintendo Switch and PC. So the original Bleak Sword was released on Apple Arcade back in 2019, and DX brings the game to the masses. So it's a brutal combat game with basic RPG mechanics set against a world of black and white and red pixel art graphics. So you play as a swordsman exploring a fancy landscape. The levels are small, self-contained squares of land. Your objective is to defeat all the enemies on the square to progress to the next level. Along the way, you can level up and collect items. So combat is relatively straightforward. You can strike, you can block, you can parry, you can dodge, and you can counter. And the game feels really, really good. And it's also great to get our hands on it outside the Apple ecosystem. And hopefully the game finds legions of new fans, and it's definitely one to look out for later in 2023. Well, next up we got Dark and Darker. So this one is a multiplayer dungeon crawler, which has had a great start to life. So it's already reached over 100,000 concurrent players on Steam's Next Fest, and it's constantly at the top of the demo charts. So in terms of gameplay, this is like a combination of Skyrim and Escape from Tarkov. It's a dark, fancy dungeon crawler. We have to fight with monsters, grab their treasure, and battle against other players to make it out alive. So you play as part of a three-player squad, and also you can play as different classes, like a ranger or a bard. So Dark and Darker is currently an alpha. However, there's seriously an appetite for this game. It's in the top 10 most wishlist games on Steam right now, so it's worth getting in there early. We don't have a firm release date just yet, but expect the excitement to build throughout 2023. Okay, next up, we've got the last case of Benedict Fox. So this is a combination of a Metroidvania and detective game as Benedict Fox tries to uncover the mysteries of a murder of a young couple. So Fox has a demon sidekick and that allows you to explore the memories of the dead. And Fox uses his power to explore the mind of his dead father, 
which means the play space you inhabit becomes twisted and surreal as Fox explores memories and thoughts. So you've got different weapons like a knife and a pistol and supernatural powers. And the game does have some really surreal features as well, such as Harry Houdini is a merchant in the game. Plus you can unlock new abilities by visiting a tattoo artist. So the game features a great mix of combat, storytelling, detective work, and it all works together surprisingly well. This one is due for release in spring 2023. It's definitely one to watch later in the year. Well, next up we've got Pixel Shire. So this one is a town builder where you've got to grow your community in an RPG sandbox adventure. Pixel Shire combines town building, exploration and combat very well together. So you can master trades, get to know your neighbours and explore the content of Arcadia. The game has a number of standout features like creating your ideal town. You can build and decorate your own house plus invite citizens to join you. The game has elements of Animal Crossing and Stardew Valley. And if this one sounds like your thing, I definitely recommend checking out Pixel Shire. Next up we've got Planet of Lana. So this one comes from a Swedish developer, Wishfully, and it gives me Limbo vibes. So Planet of Lana is a puzzle platformer where you play as a female lead with a small companion. You've got to work together to solve puzzles, open paths for each other, and Lana can point to instruct where the creature should go, as well as run, duck, jump, and crouch. So you can interact with objects, and you can also die quite easily, which produces that limbo-like ragdoll effect. Visually, it's a very good-looking game with a handcrafted look and feel. So it's bright, it's breezy, and colourful, which is a stark contrast to Limbo, plus the companion mechanics really set it apart. So it's a game that had a lot of build-up, being featured in various 2022 showcases last year. However, it's great to finally get our hands on it, and it's scheduled for release on Xbox and PC in spring 2023. Well, finally, for my last one, I've got Radio the Universe. This one immediately caught my eye when scrolling through the demos. It's an action RPG developed and published by 6E6E6E. Plus, it's a good success story coming from Kickstarter. It's got a retro-inspired pixel art graphics. It takes place in a gothic cyberpunk setting where a female protagonist wakes up to find herself in a skyless and desolate city called Null Module. Regarding the gameplay, it's top-down combat plus an element of open-world exploration. So you've got melee and range combat, plus when you die, you leave behind unspent energy similar to Hollow Knight or Dark Souls. These points can then be used to upgrade your character at various kiosks throughout Null Module. So Radio of the Universe also contains boss battles, environmental hazards, and also puzzles as well. Well, those are six of the best demos that I played during Steam's Next Fest, so hopefully that has given you some ideas for the future. And that is it for Steam's Next Fest for now, but next up, Let's have a closer look at some of these live service shutdowns. Well, it's an exciting time to be a Destiny 2 fan. We're only a few weeks away from a brand new expansion where we get a new destination, a new campaign, a new raid, and a whole bunch of quality of life changes. Yeah, Destiny 2 seems to be doing well, but the environment around it you know, is having a very rough time with live service games getting shut down left, right and centre. Today I want to have a look at the live service landscape and check out, you know, what's been shut down and try to answer the question, do Destiny 2 fans need to worry? Well, it's been a rough few weeks for live service games in the industry with games getting shut down nearly every week since the beginning of 2023. So EA announced the shutdown of Apex and Battlefield Mobile. Rumbleverse, Knockout City, and Crossfire X have all been sunset for good. Now, Rumbleverse was the brawler slash wrestling battle royale, where you battle other players with your fists rather than guns. So Deej, former community manager for Bungie, went to work with the Rumbleverse team. I think that's Iron Galaxy. So that one hits particularly close to home. Knockout City was the dodgeball online multiplayer game, and that one seemingly got off to a great start, only to be shut down a few months later, Although good news for that one, you can still play it offline. Rumbleverse, Apex and Battlefield Mobile didn't even manage to last a year, whereas Knockout City was closing in on nearly two years. But it goes to show that there's major competition out there at the minute, it's not easy to keep these live service games up and running. The big hitters in that space are Fortnite, Call of Duty Warzone, Apex Legends and Genshin Impact, and also, I guess, Final Fantasy XIV. And getting players to convert to your game when they've got entrenched habits with other long-term live service games, well, that is a tough business. You know, that isn't the end of it either. So Turtle Rock Studios 
announced they wouldn't be making any more content for Back for Blood, the spiritual successor to Left for Dead, as they decided to cut their losses and move on to their next game. So it's really tough for the new guys, and it makes it tricky to innovate in that space. So if you said to me that Rumbleverse would have been shut down not even a year after it launched, I would have laughed, given all the Epic Games money behind it. But the numbers, like reach, time spent, frequency, just must not have been there. So here's a quote from the Rumbleverse team. When you work on a video game, you imagine the community is going to show up and play it someday. For years, we dreamed about a lively city filled with people fighting to become a champion, and we strived to create a vibrant place that celebrated the competitive spirit. Our goal was to bring back joy to online multiplayer gaming. The people who gave Rumbleverse a chance and took it on as a new hobby have validated that every day that we put into bringing our ideas to life. So we have loved watching you play, we have learned from your stories and your insights, and we've even passed around the art created to immortalise your best moments in the street. Well, it's pretty sad reading that from the Rumbleverse team, but if you can get the balance of gameplay, the story and reasons to come back just right, well then you can strike gold with a live service game, but it is a major risk. I imagine that one of the reasons why we see so many companies creating sequels rather than new IP because players are much more likely to jump into something they know and love rather than a new IP. So Elden Ring probably bucks that trend, but you're always going to have outliers and exceptions to the rule. Okay, let's bring this back to Destiny 2, and should we be worried? So back in November, Destiny 2 fans were regularly posting on Twitter, Destiny 2 numbers were at record lows, and certain content creators were posting they cancelled pre-orders for Lightfall in protest at the direction the game was taking. So there is a major split in the Destiny 2 community at the minute with PvE fans. Now they're probably pretty happy about the way things are going. And PvP fans, well, they are not very happy about the current state of the sandbox. And we seem so far removed now from when it was the 30th anniversary pack and that launched in winter 2021. And PvP felt like it was in the best state it had been for some time. The release of the Subcast 3.0 reworks with Void, Solar and Arc over the last 12 months definitely had a lot to do with that. So Bungie did state recently they were looking to get back to the state of that 30th anniversary sandbox. So while we did see low numbers in November, things have picked up a little bit since then with a strong season of the Seraph. We've had a much more focused season and competitive has been introduced into the game for PvP fans, which are the foundations of a decent competitive PvP mode. Yes, it is not perfect, and we could definitely do with more cosmetics, but at least it is a start. You know, we need more maps, and not just maps returning from Destiny 2 or Destiny 1, but brand new maps. You know, we've got destinations like Europa that are completely unused in the Crucible, you know, and we're still suffering from all the PvP maps put into the Destiny content vault in the first place. Bungie have been hiring and investing in PvP map design. It doesn't really feel like they're ramping up production on the PvP side, they just appear to be focusing on the sandbox itself. Now, personally, I don't think we need to be worried about Destiny 2 right now. The daily player count has steadily risen once again, and we're about to go into a major expansion where we always see an influx of brand new players that will likely sustain for the coming months. Although Bungie has to do something about the aging seasonal content model, as that is wearing very, very thin, and they've promised some changes in that department, but realistically, I don't think we're going to see major changes before the final shape, which is the final chapter in the Light vs. Darkness saga. So while the Destiny 2 community does complain a lot about the game, I do think, in a funny kind of way, it's affectionate, and the fans want the game to be better. Now, given it caters for so many crowds across PvP and PvE, you know, keeping everyone happy is very, very difficult indeed, but I do think we have a lot to be thankful for and reasons to be happy. So Bungie communicates open and often with us, the Destiny 2 community, and they have major plans for armor and mods coming up in Lightfall, plus the sandbox, and we've got four new seasons, plus a really exciting Lightfall campaign to look forward to. I remember back in the day of the Taken King in 2015, where all we had was the Taken King raid to play over and over again, and here and now we almost get weekly content drops, like exotic missions, Iron Banner, weekly story, Grandmaster Nightfalls, and loads of other stuff too. Well, I'd really love to hear what you think about the current state of live service games and Destiny 2, and let me know if you're worried. Well, that is it for now for the state of live service games, and particularly with the lens on Destiny 2. Well, next up, let's have a look at the games we've got coming in the next few weeks. OK, 
Okay, first of all, on the 14th of February, we've got quite a few games here. So Blanc, that is on Switch and PC. And Journeys to the Savage Planet, that is PlayStation 5, Xbox Series S and X. Souls of Kronos, that is PS5, Switch and PC. And Tomb Raider Reloaded, that is on iOS and Android. We've got Wanted, Dead, that is on PS5, Xbox Series S and X, PS4, Xbox One and PC. Then on the 15th of February, we've got Pharaoh, A New Era, that's on PC. And Returnal, that is on PC as well. On the 16th of February, we've got Shadow Warrior 3, PS5, Xbox Series S and X. We've got Theatre Rhythm Final Bar Line, PS4 and Switch. Then on the 17th of February, we've got another few games. So Gigantosaurus, Dino Kart, PS5, Xbox Series S and X, PS4, Xbox One, Switch and PC. We've got Tales of Symphonia Remastered, PS4, Xbox One and the Switch. We've got The Settlers, New Allies, that's coming to PC. And Wild Hearts. And that's PS5, Xbox Series, S and X, also PC as well. So that one looks really, really exciting. Then on the 21st of February, we've got Aka R, PS5, Xbox Series, S and X, PS4, Xbox One, Switch and PC. We've got Atomic Heart, so PS5, Xbox Series, S and X, PS4, Xbox One and PC. And Like a Dragon Ishin, PS5, Xbox Series, S and X, PS4, Xbox One and PC. Then on the 23rd, we've got Blood Bowl 3, that's PS5, Xbox Series, S and X, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. And we've got Company of Heroes 3. That's coming to PC on the 23rd. Also on the 23rd, Sons of the Forest. That one is on PC. Then on the 24th, we have a few games. So Clive and Wrench, PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, Switch, and PC. Kirby's Return to Dreamland Deluxe, coming to Nintendo Switch. And Octopath Traveler 2. That one is coming to PS5, PS4, Switch, and PC. Well, that is going to be it for this week's episode. And if you want to get involved in the show, get in contact through patreon.com forward slash this week in video games or podcast at this week in video games.com. Or you can hit me up on Twitter at TWIVG podcast. Well, if you enjoyed this podcast, or found it useful, liking and sharing it would really help me out. Otherwise, check out the other podcasts in the feed. Well, thanks again, and I'll see you soon. 